YouTube. Hello, and welcome back to How I Spent My Allowance, Season 2, Episode 5, Take 2. Those of you who are astutely listening might notice that this is our second Take 2. Uh, we're no longer using Zencaster for that reason. Boo. Yes. 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 Uh, and when I say we, uh, I, of course, am Seth Alcorn. I'm Naomi Collard. I'm Riley Bartlebaugh. Patrick Murphy Donahai. And I'm James Finlay. There we are. That's <laughs> us. Uh, and we're reviewing today is going to be uh, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman's Dragons About Twilight uh, ep- chapters, almost said episodes, that's not right, chapters 10 and 11. Now, the problem with our previous episode five is that Naomi's track just plain didn't record. Uh, so not only do we have Naomi's responses, we don't have Naomi's responses for things. We also have some weird blank spots. The difficulty is, is I was listening to it just to see what was going on and also to get a sense of which chapters we read. And there's a pretty, I think, kind of fun and interesting discussion around what barbarians did in first edition that I'm probably going to go ahead and splice into this episode. So to make everything clear, I'm going to splice that into this episode here. Okay, did you enjoy that? I just spliced it. Okay, that was so nice. cool. That's great. I'm, I'm glad everybody enjoyed that. Right? Yeah. They're funny and make great observations. I yes. take it. Those I take really it. Ni- Naomi didn't say anything during that. Yeah, <laughs> Naomi didn't say anything, which was unfortunate. Uh, but I, I do want to just um, probably get a put this on our Facebook page at some point, but we did, we did get a review uh, from my wife and I know she's biased, uh, but she did refer to us as fucking delightful. So, um, I agree. It's the truth. It's the truth. (laughs) I think we should get t-shirts that say Hisma fucking Fucking delightful. delightful. I'm going to see if I could get her to put that on iTunes as a review. Like she probably won't be able to use the full word, but she might be able to get away with effing delightful. And I think uh, I, I think that would help include uh, um, increase our audience. Um, except that right Riley, now, Riley, are, are you just that surprised, or are you frozen? <laughs> oh, I think Riley might be frozen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, brother! This, here we this go, better friends. not. This better not turn into episode five. Take one, take two, take two. You know what I'm saying? Okay. All right. We should address this. Yes. We can wait for Riley to come back and and splice in. (laughs) Splice in. Splice in the once again the barbarian talk right now. Okay. All right, so Riley's left. We had this. We had this problem uh, when Rachel Pendergrass was mm-hmm. on on the show. Uh, well, on Arrow, chapter and verse. Speaking yeah. of which, I might cut this out. I might not. Speaking of which, Patrick, do you have the next two episodes of that? Where are you? Um, <laughs> I thought I gave you. No, because we were missing, um, I, I want to say, the two that we just did. Okay. Um, and I know that Rachel's was going to be weird because she... The, that's she pretty much where I stopped. Or four like, separate tracks. Yeah. Send those all to me and I'll see what I can do with them. Uh-oh, there's Riley. Riley's back. The world is a better place for it. I'm back. Hey, yes. welcome back. I'm back. Okay. I don't know what happened. It's uh. it's a mystery. It's an internet mystery. Uh, your picture, though, was very funny because it had you frozen in a state of shock. Just in like this that. one? <laughs> yeah. your, your mouth was open. You were sort of pearl clutching. It was sort of a... <laughs> like that. It's my exactly. resting pose. Your resting yeah. pose. Okay. So let's let's get hit on this. What's the last thing Riley heard? Uh, oh, no. Bending my cover. I don't like that. Uh, all right. Let me find Fine. chapter 10. It's in here somewhere. Riley, what's in- the last thing you heard? I heard... We were talking about uh, the funny... We were talking about splicing in a video. How funny we were. 
We were fucking delightful. Oh, and... we are fucking delightful. Yes. Yes. That's the last yes. thing I heard. Okay. And then I pearl clutched and now I'm back. <laughs> yes. And now splice into here. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's splice into here. The talk about barbarians. All right, here we are. No, and hope you enjoyed it. Okay. So <laughs> chapter ten, Darkened Wood, the Dead Walk, Raceland's Magic. So they go into Darkened Wood. And the note that I have is, here again, we see the depth and backstory, history that grounds our heroes and makes them more alive and real in our minds. Because Darkened Wood, there's a place called Darkened Wood and it has a history that the heroes know about. Yes, this is, this is pretty classic world building. I don't know yes. what we're talking about. I mean, I don't know if we're talking about Greenwood the Great becoming Mirkwood or anything like that. Couldn't be. I'm, Couldn't certain, be. I'm, certain, I'm certain that would not be an influence. No. I'm glad they, they clarified that for us because that was something that was definitely on my mind. Yeah. Um, no, but what's the- different is that they come in and it's like there's life. Yeah. Animals, animals are here. It's not murky at all. And then not just giant spiders. Yeah. Or snooty elves. There are <laughs> actually no snooty elves in Darkened Wood. Um, but yeah, that, that was one of the things I was going to mention is that Tannis actually feels fairly peaceful in the wood, which is nice, and he believes that, you know, what Raceland said, it's only evil if you bring evil with you. Um, one of the things I like is that we get the first, we get the first Tasselhoff inaccurate map. <laughs> like, Tannis is looking at it, like, it says darkened wood, but it could be here, or farther south, and this can't be darkened wood because it feels too nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not even that dark. Come on. No, it's, <laughs> it's on. not. It's, it's pretty a, light. It's lush, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> and they, I like that they also have, like here in Darkened Wood, we have the perfect place to camp. Clear water bubbled up from an underground, uh, from underground and trickled down smooth rocks to form a shallow brook. The glade was blanketed with thick, inviting grass. Tall trees stood guard duty on the edges. So it's like, that's right. Why don't, why don't you come on over here? <laughs> just just camp on over here next to the next to the bubbling brook. Is there a second wizard eye? Uh, <laughs> they come in pairs. Central Brook. Central Brook is a good buddy to Wizard Eye. Yeah. But it's sort of I was sort of like halfway between Wizard Eye and Herbert the Pervert from um yeah, family, family guy. guy. Yeah. Big old mushroom paper it's... boy. <laughs> oh, it's really good that we're getting all of this lovely imagery of how lovely the Darkened Wood is because the chapter artwork is a skeleton in full armor with a sword and shield and a crown and yeah. luscious locks of hair. Yeah, yeah. that, that always confused me. That's, Selective that's decomposition. Like, that's a really good rug is what that is. <laughs> it would Just, have to be because hair doesn't grow into your skull. It grows into scalp. And if there's no skin, there's no hair. Yes. Yeah. Um, Patrick so, biological yes. zombie. <laughs> this dead man might be walking, but by God, he cannot have flowing locks. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I can suspend my disbelief to a point. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have eyeballs. How no. does he have this hair? And how does he keep it looking so nice? It's the a Man, very strict in your hair. Yeah. Come yeah. <laughs> um, uh, to the bubbling brook salon and spa. <laughs> maybe Come this on. is our. Wash this, your hair in my waters. <laughs> this might be our first drag of Dennis Bouvet, who did the interior art. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Well, the thing is, I don't even. I don't even want to drag him because it looks interesting. It's a very, like, but it's still like you can't have a skeleton with hair, man. It's just not gonna. I dig it. Yeah. But I'm just saying. It's our new tagline. I mean, maybe, maybe <laughs> how I spent so my allowance. Vain. Yeah. I no have, skeleton hair. I have purchased <laughs> wigs. <laughs> I have purchased some plate armor. It happens to be enchanted. The enchantment on it is when you die, you will still have a full head of hair. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He was so vain that he bought the hair plate armor. It was the hair plate club for men. Oh, gosh. I, I think it's attached to the crown. It's like yeah. those those trucker hats <laughs> with the mullet yeah. built on. 
you take the crown off and just <laughs> right. yeah. it's just bring me my like... angry wig <laughs> <laughs> that one has eyebrows attached to it just a little angry eyebrows oh boy oh, yes. so here oh, we are this guy's not showing <laughs> this guy's not going to show up and be relevant at all, though, because this I'm place certain. is gorgeous and lovely. No, it's fine. Yeah. Mm. Um, what could possibly go wrong? He was so, conditioning when this happened. Yes, <laughs> that's right. So what, what we get is they go to camp, and we get sort of the typical, like, every time somebody goes into an enchanted wood, the prohibitions about doing anything that you would ordinarily do to camp come into play. It's like, don't don't try to shoot anything for food. Don't, like, if you're going to get firewood, don't cut any trees, mm-hmm. you know. And Raceland's over there being ominous, and he's like, I'm just going to stay on the path. And everybody else is like, well, you know, this glade's actually pretty great. Um, we're going to go over here. And people start setting up for the night. Uh, they can't light a fire, so Raceland lights his um, magic staff with the word Shyrak, uh, which is possibly one of the most famous magical commands from the TSR D&D novelizations. Like, Raceland lighting and darkening his staff are like, it's, it's like those two things. Shadrach and Well, they were going to have uh, a, an action figure, and that was going to be what it did, is you, could, you yeah. could turn a little light on and off on the staff. So yeah. they're trying to merchandise. I oh, thought I thought it <laughs> I mean, I wish. <laughs> well, I mean, because they used to do stuff. Like, I had, like, I remember I, I used to have bath toys that were a grell and a rust monster. <laughs> that is a very, very interesting market they think that they, they were catering to right there. Yeah. I, I probably yeah. shouldn't have been playing with them in the bath, but I did. Oh, you know, okay. it was whatever. Um, Every so, action figure was a bath toy. <laughs> yes. Before they shoved electronics in them, right. get it together, Hasbro. Right. I can't tell you how many yeah. how many action figures I destroyed, making them dive over the shower curtain rod into the tub. Uh-huh. <laughs> just, yeah. just they would hit the wall and just shatter after a while. <laughs> that is outside of the design specs. <laughs> oh no, that was poorly done on the engineering part. If yeah. I if I say so myself. You missed your calling, Pat. <laughs> R&D, you know. As a pr- pr- product tester for, yeah. yeah. So, okay. Tannis notes, notices that his heat vision is no longer, or his infrared vision is no longer working. Uh, and then things get a little weird, and the dead guys show up. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Here we go again. <laughs> yeah. The dead guys show up. And uh, everybody kind of freaks out. They're feeling a bunch of fear. And then Raceland is like, mm, I told you so. It says, welcome <laughs> to Darkened Wood, Tannis. <laughs> and then Raceland, who apparently read all the books ever, is like, no, no, it's cool. These are spectral minions. They were appointed to perform a task, and they have to keep Do They failed to do it. Now they've got to keep doing it after they're dead. And at this point, things start to get a little weird. Uh, at this because, point. At this point. <laughs> yes. Well, because there's a ton of these these folks, and Raceland decides that he's going to speak with them, which is not something he should be able to do in Advanced Dungeons & Dragons for Sedition. Mages at his level don't have a way to communicate with the dead. Like, there's no... As far as we know, he can cast second-level spells, and there is no first- or second-level spell that will allow him to speak with the dead. In fact, I think I want to say that the cleric spell, speak with dead, that allows you to do that is in fact a third level spell. So a cleric in order to cast it would need to be fifth level. So Raceland's breaking a bunch of rules. But we're getting away with that because we know that his mom had the second sight. So we're just going to assume that somehow something of this ability has passed to him and he's able to... Well, He he took the medium feat. Yes. You guys took, know that. I took the large feet, unfortunately. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, yes, there were no feats in first edition, although you could specialize in weapons if you were a fighter, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, once again, I'll just insert the barbarian part right here. Splice that right. So, okay. so you guys know about his lineage. 
But us reading this book for the first time and reading nothing else in the Dragonlance era, don't know that I don't. Care. I thought they they haven't discussed that at this point. They definitely will. Like okay. it get, it gets brought up in both the first and second trilogies, but I I believe it does get at least a mention in. Okay. Yeah, it is, it's not something that they make a lot out of. No. Right? It, is, mm-hmm. it is maybe a, it, it, in passing reference, but not a, you know, oh, that's right. Their mother was a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Caramon got none of that. Yeah. He got absolutely none of that. Race he got, the whole, got an appetite. Yeah, he got an appetite <laughs> and what is quite likely 18 double zero strength. But that's, what? again, a story for another time. Again, they're the Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger twins. They, except that they actually both have their strengths and weaknesses. Danny DeVito was supposed to be all weakness. That's a perception. I mean, yeah. I mean, he was the he was he was the waste. But as a human, we all have our strengths. So there was something he had. Yeah. I haven't seen twins. In Is forever, this a so. reference? Yes, to the movie okay. Twins. There's a movie Twins. Um, okay. Actually, Danny DeVito's character was able to smooth talk his way into into and out of just about anything. So there's that. Charisma. High charisma. High charisma. <laughs> uh, so, Raceland casts a spell. And because I believe I did this in the previous recording, I'm going to go ahead and do it here. Here's the note. Raceland says, Ask Bilak Parbilakar Satangus Moipar. The note. Very well. Ask, meaning I, is the pronoun designating who is asking, demanding the magic be invoked. Billa is the root or operative noun. Billak makes it transitive verb form. The par prefix in car suffix transform the root Billa into an abstract form. If Billa means words, ideas, then the phrase translates as I speak to you, concepts, thoughts, with the target of the verb implied in its transitive nature. Sa is an exclusive pronoun, meaning you all, not including me. Tangus is a verb form of sound, and moipar is through, with a delineation transitive. Ergo, you voice through me. Whoo! Tracy Hickman. Right? Yeah. Like, the, honestly, it's the very well and the whoo at the end that, like, really tipped this over the edge of pretension into... Yeah, like, he oh. could say, here's what I did. Here's, here's how I constructed this thing. And walk us through it. But... The very well makes it seem like he is condescending to give us an answer as we have been tugging at his robes all day saying, but Tracy, how did you construct the magic language? What happened? Well, let me just pull out this blackboard. <laughs> let yeah, me, right? right? Yeah. Let me diagram the sentence for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was a little bit, you know, whatever. But then, uh, you know, the king, the guy who we see at the picture at the beginning of the chapter, comes over and starts talking through Raceland. And uh, we find out <laughs> that's the other thing, is that uh, the, <laughs> the king through Raceland asks who are you who trespass in dark and wood? And the only person who can answer at this point or the person who can answer most quickly is Taz. So we have a, a very stately ghost having a conversation with a kender, which is, of course, right. It's it undercuts the the menace and ominousness that we felt earlier in the scene because now that you have your comic relief taking the lead, everything's going to be fine, right? Um, I, by the way, I'm not saying that to be snarky. That's actually it's an excellent subversion of expectations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's 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 a good little showing of the the way fear does or doesn't affect Kender and the way it affects the other immortal races. Right, exactly. So, um, you know, Taz is like, well, we're sort of here. By the way, is it true that you broke a pledge? And the king's like, yeah, we broke a pledge. Uh, We were dusting and the bottle just... Anyway, that was a very (laughs) terrible joke. Wow. Um, Yes. Pledge comes in a can, man. Pledge comes in a can, not a bottle. Pledge comes in a can. I suppose if it were Ed Greenwood writing, we could say that they broke a fledge. Everybody oh, remember uh, fledge? Oh, the plump ground no. partridge? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You have too much memory. Narm. Well, Narm. I might have been listening to them with, uh, with Allison uh, over, <laughs> over the last couple of days. Uh, How come we don't go sturm? <laughs> no, no, we I, should. I, we started that at the beginning. I think we're going to do that from now on. I decree. Because it. you have to kind of be grumpy about it. You have to get sturm. 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 
He, yeah. He just wants to belong. He wants to fight yeah. his brotherhood or knights. He does. Yeah. Sturm. Sturm. Well, Sturm. Mom, honor is my life. <laughs> I'm a proto-paladin. <laughs> I would be a paladin if there were any gods, but they're not. No gods. <laughs> Sturm. 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 <laughs> so, um... This apparently upsets the rest of the ghosts and they start being a little bit cacophonous and it stresses Raceland out. And the king is like, hey, no, 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 no. By the way, his name is Paris. That's P-A-R-R-I-S. Is it in this book? No, it's in the short story, but I remember. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, Paris, there's a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of exposition about when Taz tells him what happened. He gets to the blue crystal staff. Gold, the king demands to see it. Goldmoon boldly presents it forth, and the king's sword and the staff glow together with the same sort of light. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the king's like, you got to come on with me. And everybody's like, I'm not really sure how to deal with this. And they're like, no, just do it. Um, the, the king is also about to go to touch Raceland. And Caramon freaks out and attacks him. And apparently his hand is frozen. Like that's what happens when he strikes through the undead form is that this sort of cold blasts him. The chill Uh, of the grave. The chill Mm. of the grave. And then Raceland apparently is more relaxed than he's ever been in his life. They actually refer to it as the peace of death. And then how do they put it? Uh, Raceland's face transform again, this time imbued with ecstasy. The mage's aura of power intensified until it glowed around him with, in, uh, with an almost palpable brilliance. We are summoned. We must go. And then everybody walks through sort of the nightmare of the spirits, like they're in the battle uh, in which these people were killed and they're losing and they, they all stumble through it into a clearing, except nobody's got any weapons anymore. Um, and they hear booming voices surrounding them, and this is where we get centaurs. Yeah, I do. I do like want want to go back because I do think that the the paragraph where they're traveling in among the spectral minions, and you know, they they feel like they're in this battle where yeah. you know that the, the that that raged. And I like just the image. The imagery of that is really, I think, really effective. And this is this is a section of less pretentious words. Yes. <laughs> and, this is, a, this is some good shit as we term yeah. it in academia. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, what, that good shit. Yeah. And well used. Yeah. Right. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it had, you know, I could, I could see this. Yeah. Do we want to, uh, James, do you want to read that paragraph out? Sure, I can. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> the companions stepped into a raging battle. Steel rang. Wounded men shrieked for help. So real was the clash of armies in the darkness that Sturm drew his sword reflexively. The tumult deafened him. He ducked and dodged unseen blows that he knew were aimed at him. He swung his sword in desperation at black air, knowing that he was doomed and there was no escape. He began to run, and he suddenly stumbled out of the forest into a barren, wasted glade. Raceland stood before him, alone. So that, I mean, that really puts you right in it. it like, mm-hmm. for me, it's like, even though the 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 era isn't right, it's like being in the first ten minutes of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like that that sort of level of confusion and chaos yeah. and fear and, and that sort of thing. That Very, good good atmosphere. Good atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, there's also something I wanted to discuss in terms of good atmosphere that they do in regards to the way they've set up magic on Kryn. Right, remember all of the mages that aren't renegades have to go to the Tower of High Sorcery, and nobody really trusts them. And the point I'm bringing up here is that they make magic super weird for everybody who's not Raceland. Like, this thing where he starts talking to dead people freaks everyone the fuck out. And just for a minute, like, compare that to the way magic is treated in Spellfire. Mm-hmm. It's art. Mm. Yeah. Is art in Spellfire. But... It, it, it's it's so common in Spellfire. Nobody, you know, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. that's an eyelash. Nobody turns a hair, nothing. But here, 
you know, the rest of the companions are not only freaked out by the dead, but freaked out by the fact that Raceland is going to go do something about it by talking to them. Yeah. Mm. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a well done, like low magic setting that yeah. has the potential for for high magic, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. because the gods are gone, and because of the struct the power structure of magic that you're that you were talking about, Seth. Like yeah. the potential for magic in the world exists, but the the current existence of it is real low, which is, I think, a really intelligent way of handling this. It allows an escalation in the Dragonlance uh, in Kryn that we didn't see in Spellfire, right? No, <laughs> we right. just had Dracolich after Dracolich. It's far less passe when something magical yeah. happens. It's right. you know, mm-hmm. it's still a possibility of happening, but to see it in in front of you gives that still kind of amazement that yes that, yeah which yeah. makes it special right even and special mm-hmm. for the reader you know yeah it's 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 a big deal um they're going to because of the subject matter of some of the later books they're going to end up sort of losing that <clears throat> but it's also something they can't really avoid like they, it's because of some of the stuff that they're going to do later they kind of have to like get people more comfortable with magic and more used to what's going on Mm. but that's Mm -hmm. again something we can talk about later but the centaurs yes oh yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Patrick I believe in the last recording you said (laughs) this better not awaken anything in me (laughs) yeah like I said as I was reading it I I mentioned the fact that I was like wow really digging these centaurs (laughs) This better not waken anything in me. And it did. <laughs> I mean, I, I, re- I realized in looking back, like in games that I have, you know, video games I've played and there's a choice to like be a centaur. I, I am being the centaur. I um, also said that there was kind of a, um, a moment as I'm reading and, and uh, kind of James kind of came to mind as a centaur. He has a, he, there is something centaur-ish. Centaurian? Centaurary. About about James. (laughs) At least his top half. (laughs) James, he's saying you're a horse's ass. Look. uh, Well, there was actually a picture of James uh, remodeling his home from the back. It's like, oh, there's my centaur. (laughs) (laughs) For, For the audience at home, they write um, his bare shoulders were as large and heavy as Caramon's. A mane of long hair curled around his neck. His eyes were bright and glittering coldly. Yep, that's that's it. That's the centaurs. That's I mean, that's yeah. Patrick's type. It is. It yeah. is. I you know I. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> also, appendages. Also, I mean, uh, for those listening, James also right now has like the top of his hair purple, and I could also see that playing into the whole look as well, like a purple mane mm-hmm. and purple tail. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, purple yeah. mane. Okay, purple mane. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there were songs. <laughs> yeah, and the centaurs have uh, a specific dialect. They do. It, yeah. They say the, except they misuse it. Like mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they're supposed to be Quakers or what's happening, but yeah, yeah. they, I, um, yeah, yeah. It just feels, it, yeah, it, it feels a little weird because, like you said, it's it is if the it feels like they're trying to be more formal. But like mm-hmm. the the lang like the the language history of it is that this the and thou would be a less formal usage. Yeah, right? but yeah, less it, formal than you. Yeah, but I, even uh, so, there's a like later on, and I, I I am wrong by the way. Everybody still has their weapons at this point. It's when they ride the centaurs, mm-hmm. uh, like that Metallica album, "Ride the Centaurs," uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that they lose all their weapons, but they. They get to the point and uh, Tannis is like, why are we stopping? Because thee art here. No, no, no. That'd be because thou art here. Well, I, you know, in reflecting back after we, the original recording, yeah. I also 
started to think, well, maybe this is how it's part of sort of a lost in translation kind of thing of where they're, this is how they think maybe you speak to humanoid or maybe or people of crimp. I, you know, there's... yeah, it's like, it's hard to, it's hard to say because we don't even, we don't even get any notes. No. Um, Weak. Uh, yeah, about, right. <laughs> you know, for all the, for all the notes that Tracy Hickman likes to give about the language of magic, uh, we mm -hmm. get nothing about the language of centaurs. So, you know. Well, there are other languages that come up here too later on in, in chapters ahead that uh, should, had, should have had notes as well. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> the, Force Master, the Force Master probably came up to him and was like, so, hey guys, um, there's some humans in the forest. Can you go collect them before they go like freeze themselves to death with some dead guys? <laughs> and someone's like, none of us remember how to speak English. It's been like hundreds of years since someone spoke English around here. Yeah. Like, I can speak common. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I think. it's a joke. Maybe they're like, I'm a human. The art here. The does a thing. Go get the. That's, I don't know. Like, well, it's it's like, like I said, it's like that thinking of whenever you travel and you've studied a language in high school for two semesters <laughs> and then you're like i'm fluent i got this and how you <laughs> start to speak barcelona to <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's learning the one quirk from that one place you went in college barcelona? <laughs> you study barcelona. abroad semester and hey, not... that's that's who this lead centaur is yes, yes. yeah <laughs> i did a, I did a la biblioteca <laughs> Don't they? The Don't they the biblioteca. So they take him to the forest master. The they party. take him to the forest master. This is where they lose all their weapons. Everybody's freaked out. Uh, and then Goldwyn's like, I still have my staff. And then the forest master says, It is a powerful weapon, a weapon for good, intended to combat illness and injury and disease. And all I could think of was, Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> could we could we i'm hello. sorry how, I, could you say that one more time yeah <laughs> could oh, we get a weapon man. intended to combat illness and injury and disease yeah yeah that'd be delightful um i saw a tweet today i gotta bring it up i saw a tweet today that was like has anybody written coronavirus on a piece of paper and thrown it into a fire at a summer camp yet because i'm ready to do anything <laughs> <laughs> well i can't see that it's gonna hurt right yeah we gotta try where's our Where's staff? staff right yeah and and sure enough that brings us to chapter 11 chapter 11 which is the forest master a peaceful interlude and those two short sentences do or fragments do not lie um, I now, love the Forest Master. Yes. Once oh, again, we are kind of spoiled about what's going to happen because the picture is a unicorn silhouetted against a moon standing on sort of an outcropping. Um, I'm pretty yep. badass. Of course. Majestic AF. Mm -hmm. A majestic AF. Uh, and, you know, being me, all I want to do is yell unicorn like Rene Aubergenois as the skull in The Last Unicorn. And me, after reading about centaurs and getting to unicorns, come on, win-win, right? Everything keeps coming up, Patrick. Exactly. <laughs> cherry, cherry, triple cherry. <laughs> there it is. Um, so the Forest Master apologizes for taking everybody's weapons. Uh, she says that even Huma... Still angry about that. Laid the dragon lance at her feet. Uh, I, I will say that having read the Huma standalone novel, at no point does he meet the Forest Master in that thing. So who knows? Yeah, yeah. They thought there was going to be a tie-in. They never got back to it. Yeah, the way uh, the way they got around all of that. By the way, everybody like sort of um, screwing with with established canon is that uh it's essentially records from that era are spotty at best yeah. like this is this is a bit of a spoiler but there's a city called palanthus and in that city there's a huge library of everything that's ever happened and every book that's ever been written as far as we can tell 
And so they're like, oh, well, somebody found some older papers that purport to be the Huma story. And that's the one we're going to tell you. He doesn't meet the forest master. It's fine. Don't worry it's about fine. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is honestly like it's a, it's a kind of a cool chapter because we get to learn a little bit more about the companions' relationships. I'm sorry, everybody. That must have sounded a little bit weird. If you were looking at my face, it must have looked strange. Uh, one of my cats is cuddling me, and that's adorable and great. <laughs> except that she also has claws and sometimes she wants to need. She's got the need for need. <laughs> need. Yeah. Baking some bread. Yes. Unfortunately, the bread is the flesh of my thigh. <laughs> and yeah. He's just like, let's get this bread. Yeah. Dad so, dodo. So, right. So this is right. This is, this is like, it's just a nice little, the companions at dinner and how everybody acts at dinner. Uh, they've got some weird stuff to deal with, like their chairs only have one leg and their, their tablecloths, you know, have no table underneath them and yet, you know, float three feet off the ground. I, is, isn't this, yeah, this is the note where they're like, an interesting application of Tensor's floating disc. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, but it's a disc. It's not a table. Anyway. Uh, it's so, for flavor, Seth. It. It's for flavor. It's for flavor. Speaking of flavor, there's a big platter of deer. And mm -hmm. Karamon jams his fork into a slab of deer, and then everybody kind of looks at him, and he's like, oh. This is awkward, isn't sorry, it? Sorry, this must have been one of your subjects. And the Forest Master says, be at ease, warrior. The deer fulfills his purpose in life by providing sustenance for the hunter, be it wolf or man. We do not mourn the loss of those who die fulfilling their destinies. Note, as I am both a religious man and occasionally enjoy a good steak, this accurately reflects my own, own beliefs on the subject. And I'm going to stop there. Um, uh, there is more to that note, but I don't think I need to read it. Anyway, uh, so I'm a little uncomfortable with the idea that the deer's purpose in life is to be prey. Uh, I believe the deer would disagree. The deer would probably tell you that his purpose in life is to, you know, not to be too crude, but bang as many does as he can and run around the forest eating leaves. Once again, get that doe doe. <laughs> That dodo. That's my new I, line of venison I, bread. <laughs> it's venison bread. It's dodo. Oh, that this is a complete non sequitur, but that's funny because we have, um, you know, I live in the suburbs and we still have deer around here. Oh, yeah. And there was a, uh, a a doe and a fawn that came to our neighbor's house a couple of weeks ago and the mother jumped over the fence to the backyard, but the, the fawn couldn't. And the mother just left for like six hours. So this fawn, this poor fawn was just like hanging around. Oh um, no. Everything turns out fine. But we called, we called the, um, we called the fawn, the, the fawn loaf. And we would, we would keep an eye out on loaf in the, in the side yard. Uh, while, oh, while loaf, loaf waited oh. for, for their mother Aww. to arrive. So uh, on brand, I guess is all I. Yeah. Say. yeah, yeah. Oh, what a oh! I I feel so bad for for that fawn, even though I probably shouldn't, because the fawn was probably fine and not freaked out at all. But just hid behind the tree and sat there until yeah. mom came back. I truly didn't expect the Darken Wood to be full of Calvinists. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, it's true. Well, why do you think they call it Darken Wood? Anyway, moving on. Oh, zing. God's fired, Calvinism. <laughs> for the dragons, stay for the hot takes. <laughs> no, I, I just, uh, I, I just like one of, not that I've made a, again, a, a big study of the Christian religion, but I do know that John Knox, who was a Scotsman, was a famous Calvinist, and in a letter he complained uh, of what he termed a monstrous regiment of women, and what I believe he meant was two. He was talking, I believe, about Mary, Queen of Scots, and, and Elizabeth Tudor, and to him, two, that was a monstrous regiment of women. Men are the worst. <laughs> yeah. Amen, brother. <laughs> so, 
anyway, back to the back to the book. Uh, they, you know, Tannis brings up the point that well, how do you know whether anyone has fulfilled his destiny? And uh, the forest master says, bringing this up for a reason, say that our lives are measured not by gain but by giving. Mm. Now, I only bring that up. Because while I think that's a very nice thing to say, I do want to point out that Tracy Hickman's a Republican. And um, I don't believe that that particular sentence works with the current Republican Party. Oh, for sure. (laughs) So again, shots fired Republican Party. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's, it's it's like, it's a sweet sentiment, but uh, no, I I believe you are measuring your lives uh, by gain anyway um i think it's a great line but in the context of like this this exact moment in the book like it's a little cringy it is and it's a little creepy it's a little if you will it's a little giving tree Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i actually saw an author whom i follow on facebook and will not name um mount a full-throated defense of the giving tree explaining that that's what parenting is like and that's how you give of yourself when you're a parent and i'm like the point of parenthood is not to hollow you out until you have nothing left, but your ungrateful and greedy children. That's not what parenthood's supposed to be like. Yeah. No one is, that is not an example of a healthy relationship. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. Yeah. Well, it's this idea that we, um, like we internalize these stories that we're told. And if we're, we're in the fantasy genre, we're yeah. talking about like a genre that is born out of like in a weird way, like we're talking about allegories and a lot of people are going to fight about what's an allegory and what's not. But if you're um, tree, I would, I'm like forest monarch, tree king. Um, if your big white unicorn in the woods tells you to measure your life by like how much you give, you have, like, we as readers are consciously or unconsciously interpreting that as uh, like values and moral signposts, and it is going to affect your reader, especially this was marketed to. 16 year old boys um i would say even earlier than that but i would say like 13 to 18 year old boys maybe yeah yeah Yeah. emotionally vulnerable people Mm -hmm. yeah um and well i mean given the other messages that boys in our society are given i'm not going to say that that's a bad thing to hit them with at that age um i don't I don't disagree with that. Like, I do yeah. think that there are worst messages to give than um, uh, uh, giving rather than receiving is important. Um, I don't disagree with you. I do think, like, in, in our current moment, we are having a lot of discussion over, like, who is allowed to take up space and right. who uh, to whom do we attribute giving is a virtue and gaining is a virtue. Yeah. Um, which I think we can talk a lot about like traditional male and female roles in that. Um, but the unicorn says more important things, I'm sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> also, is someone yeah. Gonna... well, yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say also, given like we say, if we're, we're, if we're thinking that this is for, a boy's 18, well, 12 to 18, even. Uh, the number of them reading this that will glean that message from everything else that's in this book. Right. I'm going to say it's going to be low. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, there are centaurs in here. <laughs> Goddamn unicorn. <laughs> But we get so, a yeah, oh sorry. There there's mirth and merriment and there's, there's mirth and merriment. We actually get a nice scene. This is what I'm talking about. It's a nice scene of the companions eating, and we do have, if I can break it down to crude 90s humor, Caramon eats like this. And Goldmoon eats like this. There's a bunch of like Caramon's be eating. (laughs) You cannot stop a Caramon Caramon from from eating. 
And suddenly there's a whispering voice that slithers through everything. Yeah. But what my favorite thing, by the way, is that they're ending their dinner with pieces of sweet shortcake. So, like, somebody over in Centaur Land is like, everybody's getting dessert. Oh, yeah. Like, we're we are not ending this thing without something sweet. Come on, everybody. And I'm going to bake it. My, oh, my yeah. kind of centaur. Exactly. She going to get this dough, dough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, so over that is three it's a comedy rule it, well, it's three it's also dodo was different in every every usage oh we're professionals yeah, was, yeah. yeah is, <laughs> yes we are professionals for those of you following along at home if you didn't understand it the first one was doe a female deer though the second one was doe and then doe is in bread and this one is doe is in bread though Okay, so we're all good now? We're all caught up? Great. No, wait, I didn't pull out the blackboard. Uh, okay, pull out the blackboard. It mark yes. your cards at home, folks. Yes. Yes. Thank you for yeah. coming to my TED Talk. Insert, what, Charlie Day gif? The like, Charlie Day gif. <laughs> yarn and... Yeah. Uh, oh, so, we haven't even gotten to the quest giving yet. Come on. No, we're there. We're almost there. So so Raceland is like... Uh, Raceland busts in with, hey, um... Can you tell us about what's going on with these weird draconians and call, you know, and she's like, sure. Uh, or no, they call them, she tells them oh, these weird creatures and she, the force master's like, well, they called themselves draconians, said they belonged to the order of the Draco, Raceland's about furrow. Draco, he whispered, come on, man, you know what that means. <laughs> like, don't, don't give me that. You knew those things were spectral minions. You don't, you can't tell me you don't know what Draco means. And then That's we find cool. out, yeah, <laughs> find out that the Draconians belong to none of the races on Kryn. There's a note here. The Dragonlance design team wanted creatures to replace ogres, overused in fantasy literature. Eh, that's up for debate. I mean, it's also like, ogres are overused in fantasy literature. Your book is called Dragonlance. What is your point? <laughs> uh, so, basically... And then there's a discussion of like the artist talking about what draconians would look like and people solidifying what the dragon men are going to look like and whatever. So it is important that the draconians are not among the races of Kryn. The full import of that statement, you're not going to find out until book three. I would just so. want the X-Files theme to start playing. Like <laughs> Scully's like, I don't believe in dragon men. <laughs> yes. Mulder's got a full case fire. <laughs> so everybody figures out that they're probably the armies of the North. Uh, people get freaked out. Uh, everybody's like, well, we should go here. We should go there. We should go there. And the forest master's like, how? Oh, slow your roll, folks. No, no, you got to no, go no. to Zaxaros. Zaxaros? Yeah. And everybody's yeah, like, what? And uh, we find out that the forest master was expecting them as a shining being showed up and was like, hey, I'm a shining being. You better Holler expect these boy. people. And send them to Zach Sarah. Yeah. Do it. Find a shining being. Give him find the centaur that speaks common. Someone go find the centaur that speaks yeah. get, get Dave back here. <laughs> hey, yo, Dave. <laughs> Dave. Oh, the art. I'm speaking common. <laughs> Not the art. But ah, this ain't here. spellfire. This ain't spellfire. <laughs> this ain't the Forgotten no, Realms. Uh, no. So apparently, the the Zaxaroth is pretty far away from they are from where they are, and everybody's sort of confused. And they're told that they're going to find uh, the greatest gift. Um, Riverwind offers that he and Goldmoon will go alone. Raceland then goes, and you'll die alone. <sighs> is what I assume it sort of sounded like, and. Um, the Forest Master's like, listen, I got some friends. They can yeah. fly. They'll fly you. Yeah, it's like, they'll, they'll get you there. Don't, don't worry about it. Forget about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Forest Master's like, go, goes, up, goes, up to, goes up to Flint, taps her horn on his mouth, and just says, shh. Don't worry your pretty little head about this. <laughs> oh, I, I like that you're starting to slip into like a Brooklyn accent there, and now I 
that's now my headcanon for accents for the unicorns is they all have Brooklyn accents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 hey, no, 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 no. Forget about it. It's okay. It. The deer, the deer wanted to give himself to you. For, hey, it's all right. Hey, hey, look. hey. hey oh, shining God. bean came to me and said, "Expect these. What? Expect oh. these. Hey, expect these <laughs> books. They're gonna show up." And boom, here you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get you to Zach Zeroth before uh, <laughs> the bridge gets all uh, tangled up. You so got two you days. Get out of here. Go to bed. Two days. Yeah. So, uh, oh God. Oh. yeah. The, uh, Tannis calls Raceland over for a conference. Um, and we get a little bit of insight into Raceland's thinking because Tannis asks Raceland about Zach Zeroth. And Raceland's like, well, here's some stuff. And then Raceland goes off into an incel monologue. Um, it, 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 because it's okay. Uh, Tannis asks him what he saw. Raceland's like, I'm Magi, not a seer. And then Tannis is like, I, look, I know you don't have the gift of foresight, but you're thinking you came up with answers. You've got more brains than all of us put together, even if, and then Raceland picks it up, even if I am twisted and warped. Yes, I'm smarter than you. All of you, and someday I will prove it. Someday you, with your strength and charm and good looks. Okay, that is the point at which he becomes an incel. Yeah. All of you, yeah. all of you, will call me Master. Master. I kind of like, Raceland in my mind is sort of like, his voice, which I'm not going to do, is either sort of Starscream or Cobra Commander, maybe. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It's 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 now Cobra Commander for me. It's Cobra yeah. Commander. <laughs> <laughs> or have Rob to go, like watch a YouTube video. Yes. 80, 80s Transformers, 80s. 80s. Or even Rob Schraub doing Cobra Commander. <laughs> nice. Uh but uh Raceland it, it, Raceland has been able to piece together kind of a lot of what he's going on. It's like it's a war of conquest. Uh the um, excuse me, sorry, I just got food delivered. Wait a minute, I'll cut this out. What about the pancake? Okay, thank you. What uh, about yo, that's right. No, what about the pancake? Hey, what about the pancake? Hey. You got me over I here twisting get... my own. Wow. Yeah. No, I have a I have a shiitake Reuben. What? I'm not a centaur. Don't try to pull that shit with me. It's <laughs> you don't give me that pancake. You're going to find out how a unicorn becomes a horse real quick. <laughs> oh, boy. You don't want to uh, see the places where this horn goes. All right, we need to move on. We need to move on. <laughs> they have a whole other chapter to finish, right? No, we don't. No. no. Right, no just no, 11. No, just 10-11. No, no. Oh, okay. 10-11. Yeah. 11. So, uh, Raceland is like, yeah, there's a war of conquest. The Queen of Darkness has returned. Uh, she's probably trying to enslave or destroy all of us, but we got to go get that gift. Tannis is like, well, what do you think the gift is? A sword or coins, like your brother said. Raceland's like, no, it's not either of those, dummy. But we still need to go get it. Um, and then Tannis asks Raceland if he believes they were chosen, and Raceland is like, yeah, they told me that it's Towers High Sorcery. <laughs> like the head of the head of all magic was like, "Yeah, you've been chosen for something." And then Tannis continues, "But why? We're not the stuff of heroes. Well, maybe Sturm." Ah, said Raceland. But who chose us, and to what, and for what purpose? Consider that Tannis Half Elf. <gasps> it's like I, mean, I can't be the villain in my own story. Yeah, you you never find out. It's like not like. It's not like the evil guys ever like get get together and are like, okay, there's going to be a prophecy, but who are the worst people on the other side we can pick? <laughs> you know, so that, that's not what's happening here. Somebody chose them, and they're so they are they are faded. Pancake, oh. pancake. Uh, and now the okay. pancake is here. Here we go. We Welcome. got that pancake. Thank you very much for Welcome. the pancake. Okay. Pancake. Special guest star and fan of the show. Uh, yes. My wife. Hisma. Sponsored uh, by IHOP. Pink. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we we just uh, finished a short vacation with some friends and they came over. They're like, let's come over for dinner Wednesday night. And I'm like, uh, sorry, I have plans. They're like, that's fine. We'll still bring you food. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to say no. 
so I have I have soul food as in as in Seoul, Korea, because that's that's what it is. It's oh yeah. That sounds good to me. Uh, and I'm sure all of the listeners will be interested in that if I keep any of this pancake stuff. I'll keep the pancake stuff in. Everybody had a good time with it. Okay, so uh, we have come to the end of the episode, which means, of course, it's time for plugs. Uh, because August managed to have three Mondays, and we're a little bit ahead of schedule, that means that uh, episode five is going to be coming out at the end of September. So, Naomi, do you have anything you'd like to plug at the end of September? No notes for the group. No notes for the group. Riley, do you have anything you'd like to plug at the end of September? I got nothing. Even your miniature painting business, yeah. which you, you still haven't given me a way to, for people to contact you? But... Okay. <laughs> Unicorn horn on the It's house. going well. <laughs> okay. But right. I'm also ne- an educator. I'm an educator. School is starting. I can't do anything right now. Okay, that's fine. We're, hey. we're lucky we have you for this. Never well, ask me about fire. my unicorn painting business. Yeah, don't, it's, <laughs> a, it's private. It's private. It's private. <laughs> uh, so, Patrick, is there anything you'd like to plug? Well, I'll just do a quick plug for The Clink Tank, yes. uh, the other podcast that I host along with a rogues gallery of friends. Um, and we make signature cocktails and we talk about any and everything under the sun except politics. Politics, sorry, I was drinking. <laughs> Had my mouth full of water. And uh, thank you, Seth. And yeah, and we, you know, we've Seth has been on as a guest. Uh, several times now. Several times now, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just a conversation with friends about anything that comes to mind, sort of stream of consciousness. I mean, sometimes we have, like right now, we're doing a set series of uh, movies that were randomly selected through a roll of the dice. And, you know, we just watch the movies and reveal them and talk about them. And uh, yeah, it's the clink tank. It's fun, drunk conversation that gets progressively drunker. <laughs> and yeah. That's it. Found wherever you can probably listen to this or any other uh, service for listening to podcasts. And coming to you only on the Steve Network. On the Steve Network. If you're listening to drunk guys talking about stuff, you're listening to Steve. (laughs) Um, So I would also like to plug uh, Arrow Chapter and Verse, which is the show that Patrick and I co-host. Sounds delightful uh, uh, as well. It, it is delightful. It's it's a look at, at the Arrowverse, and I guarantee you, we are not more insanely nitpicky about details on those shows um, than we are about details in this book. Uh, so, Naomi, uh, Naomi has been on it as a guest. Uh, occasionally, we do have special guests, and um, yeah, it's it's just a it's just a fun look at the Arrowverse. If you don't mind two guys complaining about uh, lousy writing and putting things on front street. Yes. Um, let's see. Both the Clink Tank and this show and the Arrowverse. Oh, I should. Sorry. Also got to mention Flailing Through First. That is the show where my friend Will Muma and I discuss rules of first edition, where we vehemently disagree about whether they're good or not. Uh, hint, I don't think they're good. So that is coming out. Uh, that is actually the, the first episode of that should have dropped this month. Uh, the second episode will be available in October and hopefully sometime soon, Patrick and I will definitely not release our fan recording of our fan script of blue beetle and booster gold. Absolutely not. Yeah. Coming we're definitely not soon. Doing that. <laughs> uh, so if you would like to support the Steve network shows, you're welcome to do that. The clink tank has a uh, Patreon. You can just search the clink tank for me. It's a little more complicated. Just go to Patreon and type in L L A W and you'll, Log Ifes will pop, Ifes will pop up. That is the Patreon that supports both, well, all of the shows that I do. Uh, however, this being the end of September, <laughs> if you haven't gotten your absentee ballot yet, get it now. Remember that it takes two stamps to mail, or you can always find out where the ballot drop-off place is in your area and go drop off your ballot there. That means you don't have to wait on the post office to do it, which might be something you don't want to do at this point. Um, I registered for my absentee ballot a couple of weeks ago because I'm just that paranoid and was told that Maryland sends those things out 30 to 45 days before 
um, the election. So at the end of September, it's within that time period. Hopefully your state sends things out 30 to 45 days before the election. So get your absentee ballot and vote. Also, there are many more worthy causes to contribute to, and Patrick and I urge you to contribute to those uh, yes. before giving us money. Um, please only give us money if you have it after you have contributed to other worthy causes. Um, and please. that's, yes. I also so, want to just ta jump on to the end of your do. vote. Please vote. And, oh, and if God. you're not doing you know what? If you're not going to do absentee ballot, just be sure to just gear up put every kind of protective uh, piece of clothing on yourself and go in person, make your vote count, you know, yes. be there, be present. Things must change. And the only way, that, way that's going to happen is if you participate. Vote. Yes. So uh, with that being said, we have come to the end of the plugs, which means we've come to the end of the episode and we'd like to, Thank you for coming on this journey with us, and we hope we will see you again next time uh, for episode six. And uh, with that, goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Ciao. Ciao.